Hi, I'm Matthew McFarland. And I'm Eddie Estrada. And this is Highbrow. Lowbrow. How are you doing, Edward? I'm doing great. Me too. It's a beautiful day in New York. It's beautiful. Here we are, episode three. It feels so good that we're just like chugging along and doing these. I'm having so much fun. I'm having a blast doing this. Yeah, I, and I hope you are all enjoying it, Same. watching it, listening to it. Um, cause we're revisiting some really great films that we love and, and I'm being introduced to films. Yes. And, um, I'm so excited for today because, and we'll get to it before, you know, we'll get to it eventually. But, um, I really do think that the, the, one of these movies today is in my top three of all time. I really do think it's one of the greatest movies ever. Um, and I'm so excited to find out if you felt the same way. Um, we will see two things I did want to to uh, correct before we started. Um, I get really excited doing these things. And sometimes I uh, rewrite history. Um, I rewrite the history that I wish had occurred. Would have happened, yes. Because um, I said episode one that Bill Condon won the Academy Award for Adapted Screenplay for Chicago, and he did not. Um, he should have, but he did not. So I just wanted to clear that up. And then I also said at the end of last episode, when we were introducing Michael Keaton, that he won the Academy Award for Birdman. Um, he so did not, and we're going to get into that. He did win the Golden Globe for Best Comedy, Musical Comedy Actor, but he lost the SAG and he lost the Oscar, and we'll talk about that later. But um, I wanted to correct – I wanted everyone to know that I'm not an idiot, and uh, I just get excited, and I like to mix shit up. And if Matthew does corrections, then I'm going to do misconnections. Oh, yes. Is what I'm going to call it. Great. Um, <laughs> the Three Amigos – the one that's that I know, not the three directors, obviously. Um, that would be Martin Short, Steve Martin, and the third was Chevy Chase. I'm so sorry. I li- we I literally said the other guy as if it was some unknown who never had a career after that, I mean, and it's literally Chevy Chase. I mean, there's probably some people who are like, maybe it's good that you didn't mention Chevy Chase yeah, because he has a he's had a history recently. Um, but yeah, I miss connections because my brain, I, you know, I can never make the connection. Well, we get so excited, you know, sometimes things just pop out. Talking about these movies. Yeah. Um, before we get into our movies for yes, today. Yes. You know, I always have to ask. We got to do our highbrow low bound. Yeah. Exactly. So this was tough because um, I, I kind of didn't know where to go. Um, so I'm just going to go. I'll start with my lowbrow. Okay. Um. Reality TV, I would say, is is pretty lowbrow. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, my my form of art. Right. Which is, I mean, which is not to say that we don't love it and gobble it up. So um, I was not a fan of the Kardashians. I know For this. most of my life. Um, and I, you know, I've worked with them, so. <laughs> right. You have. You have a very close personal relationship with Chloe. Um, uh, but with Hulu... Uh, with their new Kardashian series. Um, uh, and, you know, I was very much not a fan of the Kardashians. Having never seen an episode of Keeping Up, um, really only kind of taking in information from what I heard in the ether, I just, de- I, I developed an opinion about them, whatever. But get, becoming friends with you over the past couple years, um, you really shed some light on them for me. And I gotta say. I love them. Um this new show that they have on Hulu, just Kardashians, yeah, uh, with all of our lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on season two now. Season two just started, and I gotta say, I love these women. I love this show. Uh, I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about them, but I, I really just think that they're fucking great, and I just, ooh, I'm really loving it. I'm really loving it so much. 
Um, so watch the Kardashians on Hulu if you're not already because and if, if again if you're like me you never watched them before jump in because it's it's great. My highbrow I I don't even know if I consumed anything that was particularly highbrow and I feel like you're gonna cover something that I want to talk about so why don't you do your highbrow and lowbrow and like maybe I'll think of something. Oh okay. Yeah, because I don't have a highbrow moment. I really am trying to rack my brain of did I watch anything highbrow and I. I don't think I did. I think I was just trash this week. <laughs> so Milo Brow is something else that we I've also drawn you into. And that is Dancing with the Stars. Oh my God. I hate to say it, but I I'm a, I fucking love it. Dancing with the Stars this season is on uh, Disney Plus. Yes. And plug Disney Plus. And we're only doing ABC Disney Hulu uh, right now <laughs> with our uh, lowbrow right feel now. Feel free to... Feel free to sponsor us. us. <laughs> um, but this season's really good. There's a lot of really great dancers. There's a lot of really great personalities. Um, I have to say that my favorite right now, I mean, I've got a few, but seeing um, Daniel from Coda, that actor, oh my he's God. deaf and he is doing an incredible job on yes. the show. It's actually astounding. And Selma Blair, who is battling oh MS. Oh my God. She is gorgeous killing talented. it talented like i i've always loved her and my i just my cup run at the over yes. right now for um her. wayne brady's on it who i also have worked with he charlie d'amelio and that girl gabby windy gabby the windy. bachelorette and i don't watch i know i'm lowbrow but like i used to watch the bachelor bachelorette used to go do parties at my friend's houses do the whole shebang and I haven't watched in years just because I feel, uh, you know, I have a bad taste in my mouth since Colton Underwood, but that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gabby Windy, girl, give me a call. I, legs I love for, you. Legs for I days. love her so And much. she's killing it. She'll get the first tens of the season, I think. Totally. Totally. Um, she's pretty spectacular. Charlie Jamelio is doing great. Wayne Brady's doing great. It's a great group right now. The, the other people that just got off the show who were great personalities but just really weren't picking up the dances they're all sort of gone now so this is the time if you haven't started it to start because now it's like the competition's gonna it's going going. okay so let's get into highbrows now because i'll give you my highbrow and maybe and you don't know what your highbrow is i'll think of one because i again i think i just watched lowbrow stuff this week (laughs) well we love it um i'm watching this you know i'm a horror freak um see i i figured you were gonna bring this up and there's a show called it's a show right now it's a docuseries called queer for fear and it is essentially, it's on the episode three only, and it's essentially taking a look at queer history in film, uh, in cinema, in television, and basically shedding the light that basically all horror is inherently queer. It is. And based in queer culture. And the episode this week was about werewolves and aliens and how these stories have always been uh, queer stories because it's about trying to fit in um, with the masses without um, being found yeah so they do one about like invasion of the body snatchers about like how like they're among us you know like these people are among us but you would never know and then how werewolves like to be the pure pure like carnal self is when you become a werewolf Mm -hmm. uh in the moonlight at night only when you're allowed Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's got some really great you know queer icons in there alaska alaska thunder f um i'm gonna be you know not too explicit but she is one of the you know panel members you've got some great directors in there you've got uh mr mancini who does chucky which i'm watching too he does a lot of talking and 
it's just really, it's really inspiring and really fun and really exciting to see. And it's just, it gives you a lot of like, I don't know, inspiration and excitement for, cause you know, I like, I want to work in horror one day and I've got stories in my head and ready to write yes, you and, do. you know, being able to see that I don't have to worry about it being, you know, framed in queerness is really interesting to me. Yeah. I think it's cool. I love that. Um, it's been really, it's been really elevating my mind. I love that for you. Um, I figured you were going to bring that up, but and I'm glad ha- you did. And they had a dream girls reference in the first episode that I died about, they did. which was about great. Girl Effie, who you were mad at always. Mm-hmm. They, they equated <laughs> dream girls to Frankenstein. If that interests you at all, <laughs> check out queer um, for fear on shutter. So I guess I, okay. So this isn't highbrow. I just want to talk about it because I enjoyed it and I had never seen it before. And I wasn't aware of <gasps> it at all. I know what you're going to say. Hellraiser. Yes. So, a lowbrow concept horror. Um, it's a remake of the original, uh, or it's a continuation of the original Hellraiser story. Yes. Um, I only, I was that kid that saw the picture of Pinhead and was like, not watching that. Too yeah. scary for me. Too scary. Too scary. Um, but seeing the um remake continuation of the story on Hulu again on Hulu, um, I was really interested in watching it. And I know you've seen the Hellraiser stuff, so uh, we watched it. Despite some acting that was a little off. It was great. It was so well done, so well made. It scared me. It was freaky. It had the right amount of gore. Um, it's a, it's really, really good. So whether or not you've seen the Hellraiser, um, I highly recommend just watching this one. I want to go back and watch the original now. Uh, it was great. You're like the gore for a Hellraiser film. The gore is mild. I want to say, um, in the best way, but I liked that. Yeah. I can't, it was palpable for you. Yes. Um, I, I really enjoyed Hellraiser as well. I don't think Hellraiser scared me as much as it did for you. I think what scared me more is that they had a commercial in the middle. Cause we don't where we have poor Hulu. Sorry. Uh, they had a commercial for the wine we were drinking while we were watching it in the middle of the movie. And I thought it was part of the movie and it freaked me out for a second. Well, because so it was raining outside. Yes. We had just opened this bottle of wine to watch the movie. And then five minutes in this place in the commercial, they're drinking the bottle of wine and it's raining. I was like, this is too close. I to was home. like, we're, we're, this is the horror. And film. usually, usually we just get like straight up commercials in Spanish because of my name yeah. and <laughs> my ethnicity. And just like, they just like assume that I'm going to be needing these commercials also, in Spanish. Also, who thinks I, one of us has ulcerative, ulcerative colitis because we get a ton of, I know, <laughs> it's, ulcerative colitis. it's not me. I don't know what no, it is. No, we're great. Our guts are great. So, um, uh, yeah, we've been having a little bit <laughs> too much fast food recently, but we're getting there. We're getting um, there. So yes, Hellraiser on Hulu watch it and it's perfect because it's spooky okay do we get into our movies for this week with our incredible actor michael keaton michael keaton michael baby. keaton um yes well i have to say michael keaton kind of like came back into my frame of mind this year because of his uh emmy golden globe run i think it was the golden globes last year where we had that kind of very drunken speech that was a little bit everywhere but then he landed the ending yes he made it and he won the Emmy this year as well for his work in Dope Sick, which mm-hmm. we still need to watch. Maybe that's a highbrow thing we um, check into soon. Yeah. But he's been around forever. And the movies we chose for our highbrow and lowbrow were? For the highbrow, we're going to do uh, the uh, 2014 uh, incredible movie, my one of my top three movies I've ever seen, Birdman. Directed by Alejandro Iñárritu, starring Michael Keaton, Emma Stone, and Edward Norton. Um and our lowbrow film 
though it is a cult classic, superhero films are considered lowbrow. Right. So I chose a film that I had seen tons of times when I was younger, which is Batman, the Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton and, and Jack Nicholas. And I unfortunately, embarrassingly, had never seen the original. Literally, I've seen every other Batman film but this one. We had watched, almost a year ago, we watched uh, Batman Returns, yes. which also stars Michael Keaton, which is Michelle Pfeiffer, which is Jim Carrey, which is high camp, so much fun, a great film. No, uh, Danny DeVito. Oh, Danny DeVito, sorry. Yeah. Got him. Jim Carrey that. comes in later with a Tommy Lee Jones. That's it. That's when it. Uh, Joel Schumacher comes I'm in. getting all my Batmans mixed up. But it's yes. hard. It's tough. No, it's, it's tough. It's Danny DeVito. It's the and Penguin Michelle and Catwoman. Yes, you're correct. Yes. But, um, yes. And, yeah, I, I'm so glad we're doing both of these because, you know, you, you brought up a good point that, like, just because something is lowbrow doesn't mean it's not necessarily a great film. Um, and so I'm glad we're going to talk about that with Batman because it's, I think it's still pretty, it's a, sol- a fun it's, film. It's a, it's a solid movie. I but will, it is lowbrow. We are going to talk about it. And there are things that we need to talk about. <laughs> um, so as usual, I think we'll start with Birdman. Okay. So since I'm, uh, I know all, I know this movie like the back of my hand, I would love to hear from you. Basic plot. What did you, what, what did you witness? So Birdman, I'm just going to tell you straight off the bat. So no one is surprised. I absolutely loved it. Oh my god! Thank God. <laughs> like I was like, okay, gravity fine, but if this is does not just if this doesn't just pull your guts out, I'm like, we can't be friends. It's so. one of those movies. Oh, I literally god. within the first six minutes, I was like, what the hell is happening here? But then by like minute ten, eleven, I was like, I get it, I understand it, and I'm invested. Yes, it is a story about a man who was originally Birdman, which is kind of a play on like Batman. He was a superhero. He did a few films. And then decided to stop playing that character on the screen and wants to find um, himself in the arts again. Like he's, you know, lived his life as a celebrity. Everyone else is doing superhero movies now. They do straight up call outs of Iron Man and Spider-Man and XYZ. And he wants to, he's an actor. He's like, I'm an actor first. And I was always having to play this character, which may or may not actually be his true identity, mm-hmm. which is a whole other layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's doing this, this play that got evidently the, the writer of the play saw him when he was younger and it got him into acting. So he's kind of playing homage to him. And he just really wants this to be a super successful play and put him back on the map, not as a celebrity, but as an actor, the whole film he also has this weird power that we don't know if it's because we only see him have this power when he's by himself. And this power is kind of like a telekinesis situation. And he has a, I don't know if it's like an imaginary friend or like, it's like a schizophrenic schizophrenic break where he sees the Birdman character that he played as his companion at points in the film. Um, it's, it's so deep. It's a take on what is artist versus what is celebrity. New York versus Los Angeles. Hollywood versus theater. Um, reality versus fiction. Um, it's it's so incredible. <laughs> and the ending, I it ended, and I was like, it's I the the ending could be taken two different ways. It's like, mm-hmm. does Emma Stone just inherit? the the mental illness that her father has dealt with his whole life where he believes he's the superhero and now she sees it too or has he really been this being all along and he was just never recognized for who he was right and the moment he is recognized his power is unleashed right i don't know like 
<laughs> got me. Uh, it was a fantastic film. It's beautifully shot. It's mm. all one take. Mm-hmm. Or it, it's it's filmed in, um it's filmed as if to be one, one shot. Okay. So in itself, it's about plays versus you know film, and it's it is a film that is a play, mm-hmm. because the choreography that you have to do uh-huh. and just knowing your lines and knowing your marks and I have to be at point A to point B at this this section because the camera is going to be moving through this hallway. It was just I could not <laughs> believe it. I can't believe I've never seen this film before. I can't believe I wasn't like banging on people's doors, being like, "You need to watch Birdman right now," because it was just. Thank you for introducing me to this film because I'm so glad you Wow, I, I just have don't have enough to say about it. Oh. Makes me so happy to hear that because yeah, it's it's really, really it's you know, it came out just after I had moved. I had graduated college and I had moved to the city. Um and I was very um as an actor, as an artist, I was I mean, I've had quite a few <laughs> in my life, but I was having an existential crisis about art and what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And, um, and then, so this came at the very right time. Uh, so yes, uh, the, the movie is about a man named Regan Thompson who, um, 20 years before this time, um, was, uh, a huge star. He, um, was the Birdman, which was a huge comic book, uh, franchise that he famously walked away from after the third installment. Um, and what's funny about this is that um, in in real life, uh, they use the same timeline from when Michael Keaton starred in Batman in nineteen ninety or in uh, nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety two. Um, so no, uh, nineteen ninety two because that was the last time that he starred in Batman Returns. Yes. Um, so which is w- the last time Riggin did Riggin did Birdman, Birdman three. So and and we find and it comes it becomes very clear that in that time he his career has literally disappeared. Um, yeah. He's like divorced. He's divorced. He's estranged from his daughter, played by Emma Stone, um, who is his assistant. He's estranged from his ex-wife, played by an, a, f- a fabulous Amy Ryan. Um, who, if you've seen The Office, if you've seen Only Murders in the Building, you know Amy Ryan. Yes. Um, and he's currently in previews for, yes, an adaptation that he's writing, directing, and starring in of one of his uh, famous, uh, uh, like a famous made up playwright or actually no I think it actually might be a is real, real? I, I was gonna ask you is this person real I've, or not? I've been meant to look it up I actually don't think it is um but uh yeah so uh he's in way over his head his um lawyer slash manager slash producer Zach Galifianakis fabulous Zach Galifianakis in this film this had this had Zach Galifianakis in it Paula Pell had a nice little role in it yes she did so I was like you know me I was like these are people I know yes you know I'm always about a cameo I love a good totally um and so they're in previews for this um play one of the actors in the play goes down because uh, they get hit in the head with a light fixture. That was the moment I wrote in my notes, WTF is going on here. Yeah, because, so yes, um, I'll get to the 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 superpower sort of thing later, because I have a theory about that. So um, the, this actor is replaced by... Um, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Um, Naomi Watts is also in this movie. Fabulous. She's one of the actresses. It's Andrea Riseborough and, and Naomi Watts. And Naomi Watts and Edward Norton are lovers outside of work but um he is available he's a huge star um he uh, on film and television and and theater apparently and he's invited to come and and help them you know 
get the show on its feet. Yes. So uh, as Eddie mentioned, um, the film is shot and edited to be like one continuous take. So we're we're going through um, the uh, hallways and the backstage and the front area of the St. James Theater in New York. Which um, we've been to. Which we've been to many times. Um, currently playing Into the Woods, the revival on Broadway. And uh, um, so we see... Uh, rehearsals going on. Um, there are times when we leave the theater and go around New York to different bars where different conversations are had. There's an incredible scene later on where Reagan has sort of like um, a mental break and his, what I think is his ego is saving him, um, gets him back to the theater. Um, he has a conflict with the New York Times critic in the film, which if anyone knows anything about theater, the New York Times review uh, either makes or breaks a, uh, a, every, a show. Every time a show comes out, Matthew's like, is it a New York Times critic's pick? Is it a New York Times critic's pick? Yes. Um, Jesse Green, shout out. I'm I'm a big fan of Jesse Green um, and Maya Phillips. Were um, they... It, was the person in the pr- the movie real? No, um, she's an actor. I can't remember her. I need to look up her info. But um, no, that so Ben Brantley was the famous Times critic for the past, um, like I, I want to say twenty years. Like he he's been he did it. Uh, and then Clive Barnes, I think, was before him. I don't I I don't know. I'll we'll we'll fact check this and we'll do it next time. But um, no, she was a made up, but she was the New York Times critic okay um and she was deter- and she's determined to tank this show because she doesn't believe in celebrity she yeah. thinks this is just a you know a, a, a passion project that's gonna blow um we so we yeah we see this incredible swirling film about his complicated relationships with his family with himself as an actor as a as a creator um eventually I believe his ego takes over and saves him, pushes him to where he needs to be to to make this play work. It's a huge hit um, by everyone's surprise. And then, yes, at the end of the film, which we'll talk about um, more in depth, uh, he seemingly um, because what happens? Well, what happens? So what happens is um, in the play. Um, Michael Keaton plays a man whose wife um, doesn't love him anymore and cheats on him. And there's this big penultimate scene where he kills himself. The thing about the final scene of the film is that Michael Keaton actually takes a live gun and shoots himself in the nose, which was, I was like, I thought he was dead. Me too. I mean, too. And, um, it, it actually works out for him because the, the critic praises it. The audience goes wild. It sets him up to be a huge star. He goes viral, which is, we'll talk about that theme. Yeah. Um, and they're in the hospital room at the last scene, and Emma Stone leaves to go get him something. And it, there's a very ambiguous ending where Emma Stone comes back into the, the hospital room. He's gone. The window is open. She looks out to see if, God forbid, her, her father's done something he can't take back, like kill himself. But then we see her catch something. Her eyes go up, and she smiles. And then that's the end of the film. I had chills. I got, uh, just got chills I know, again. me too. Um, so, uh, yes, this movie is – it is about – an actor and their process. It's about the struggle between one's humility and one's ego and how I think both of those things, you need both ego and humility to sort of, you need to have like, it's, it's like a, you need to have respect and love for the others around you, but you haven't have enough ego to push you through 
such a terrible, unforgiving, crazy business. Um, It's the struggle of someone just wanting to be an actor and not a celebrity, not wanting to be on Twitter, not wanting to be on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, not wanting to do anything for likes or comments or tweets. It seems like something's coming out right here. So, and, 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 and not being able to reconcile that. Highbrow versus lowbrow. Totally. Um, a realism versus not like Edward Norton's character. Um, who I hated. Who, but was brilliant in this movie. Yeah. I think he was playing himself a little bit. Um, uh, he is all about drinking real gin, having a real boner on stage, and like having a real gun, which I think is what pushes him to that final part. He's like, this red thing in the gun, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel like it's real. Yeah. Um, and let me actually just get to my notes, then I want to get to your notes. But um, I noticed, and I didn't notice it before, there's a, he's got a little um, like bumper sticker on his window. On window on his mirror in his dressing room, uh, Michael Keaton's character, Riggin. And it says, a thing is a thing, not what is said of that thing. Which I thought was so... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's like you are, you are what, what you, you are, are, not what, what other people else say. Said. Yes. And I'm sure that is something that he has had to so say to himself over and over and over as he's tried to like come back into his career. Wow. Um, some other quotes I love. You confuse love with admiration. Amy Ryan says it too. Um to Michael being like, I love you. Your fans just adore you. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, Can I say my favorite line? Please. Well, I don't have any (laughs) self-respect. Honey, you're an actress. I knew knew you were going to bring that up. I have it written down too. Um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, oh, uh, yeah, well, I don't have any self-respect. You're an actress, honey. But then, um, Naomi has, I mean, she was so good in this movie. And like, I, they won the SAG Award for Best Ensemble. Uh, oh, they did? Yes, they did. They well, won. everyone in that movie is oh perfectly cast. Yeah, Brilliant. So I'm really glad they did. But, oh, my God. When Naomi, Naomi breaks down at one point, because she's freaking out. Her character, it's her Broadway debut. Like, she's worked her whole life. Whole life for this moment. And these two men are fucking it up, Edward Norton and Michael Keaton. Um, Which draws the two ladies together. I wrote lesbian. I love it. I love it. But but that is a real. Yeah. I love that theme of women really being there for women in the theater. It yeah. is. It, Are you talking about the scene where she's like, I'm I'm realizing I'm just a kid. I'm not a Broadway actress. I'm still just a little kid. And it's so funny. Like we. Um, I'm not even looking at notes. This like movie stuck with it, me. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it stuck with me. You're, I love it. You're, I mean, I'm off book. We have friends like we both have friends that are in this business. I mean, I'm in. The, I'm trying to be in this business. Yeah. Like, who get these big jobs? Yeah, and immediately the imposter syndrome kicks in and goes, "Oh my god, what the, what am I doing? Oh my god, I I can't do this." Yeah, like it's it's such a real feeling. Um. I loved so Emma Stone's character is um, a recovering addict. Yes, and she has so many amazing gems in this movie. There's a monologue that she says to Michael Keaton that is it, it's what they played at the Oscars when they showed their clips. It's an incredible moment. But later on, um, it's actually at the end of the movie where he's where Michael starts to sort of talk to her really, and he's like, "Well." Um, uh, we're getting sued. Um, this place not going to happen. My career is over, blah, 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 blah. And then she pulls out a roll of toilet paper and she talks about how in, in therapy, they, they, every single square has a certain amount of dashes and each dash represents like the thousands of years that humans have been. Oh no. The dashes represent, um, how long the world has been around. Like the whole toilet paper roll is, is a representation of the thousands of years that the world has been around. 
And then that one square of all these dashes is the amount of years. It's like it represents the 250,000 or I don't know the number. That humans have been around. Humans have been around. It's yeah. one square ver- of a roll of toilet paper. And she says, I guess they gave it to us because that's this is all our ego and self-obsession is worth. Like we are so humans are we're, we think we're so and I love that scene where she's literally just writing the she's in the room smoking. Remember he catches her with the joint and she's doing the chicken scratches. Yes, the and it's bird scratches on the toilet paper. Right, and it's like we're just a square just, of an entire yeah. role of existence. Like why do we think we're so important? We've we yeah. ha- we, we've been around the least. Yeah, and and of that chicken scratch, you're uh you're the first pin mark. Yes. Truly, you are just. You're just that right when the ink touches the paper, that's maybe your entire life. Yes. Um, and then right after that, she she shows him because there's a there's a scene where where Reagan gets Reagan Michael Keaton gets um in the middle of one of the shows, he gets stuck outside the theater. Yes. In his underwear. And he has to run through Times Square to get back to Which stressed me out so much. Beautifully watching. shot. Yeah. Incredible. Um and it gets on Twitter and it goes viral and Emma says, believe it or not, this is power. Oh my God. So yeah, I, I think that the Birdman, I think that all of the superpower stuff, I think it is sort of a mental illness, but I do think it's his ego. I think cause our ego are the, the voice in our head can either just destroy us. And in the beginning of the film, he goes, you're nothing. You're a piece of shit. Like we could have had everything. We could have been the star, blah, blah, blah. But then when he's at his lowest point and he has nowhere else to go, his ego, that voice, the Birdman voice is what gets him off of his feet and says, you're fucking Birdman. We, we, we built franchises with a single screech. We could strike hearts of fear to the hearts of our, our villains. Like that's the power you need to harness if you want to do this thing. So I think there is a message too, that our ego it's it's a secret. It's a superpower that really can't be used all the time, but sometimes it it, it will save us. Um, I love this movie so much. I don't know if you can tell. I'll give a couple stats, then I want to hear more from you. Okay. Um, it cost seventeen million to make. It made a hundred and three worldwide. Wow. I think sixty million here, forty million um overseas or opposite. I don't know. But um, so in terms of awards, okay. Um, Academy Awards. It won. Uh, best screenplay. Uh, Alejandro Inarritu wrote it with his buddies uh, Nicholas, Alex, and Armando. They wrote it together. Okay. Um, and what's funny about that is that they all told him initially that this was impossible because he came up with the, the, uh, the concept and was like, "I want to figure out how we can make this all look like one shot." And they were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so it has to be written a certain way. It has to be shot a certain way. Edited a certain way. And they were like, "This is impossible." But. It's so in keeping with this film because the the subtitle of this movie is The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. It's like they don't know. It's like you don't know if it's going to work or not, but you just fucking go for it and you just see what what happens and like what a great – I mean so great. And then um, it won Best Original Screenplay. Uh, It won a Best Cinematography. Emmanuel Lubezki, who we talked about last week for Gravity, he won – this is the second year in a row he won uh, for Cinematography. It won Best Director, Best Picture. Um, it lost best actor, Michael Keaton. He lost to Eddie Redmayne for theory of everything, which mm. it's tough to be a Stephen Hawking biopic. Um, uh, best, uh, supporting actor, Edward Norton. Um, he lost to JK Simmons and whiplash, which I have to say is very deserved. JK Simmons and whiplash was incredible. We will be doing whiplash at some point. 
Um, Patricia Arquette won for Boyhood, so she edged out oh Emma gosh, Stone, which was which the longest movie ever. <laughs> I know I didn't. I was not a fan of Boyhood. I, I was, was a fan of Patricia Arquette in that movie, and I thought that she deserved that. But my, I, I just have to say, Boyhood. I have bad memories because one time, I was on a date, and the person was like, "Let's watch Boyhood," and I was like, "I've never wanted to leave." A date sooner, and I sat and watched the entire movie. It was I again directorially and the concept. Richard Linklater, great. Like it's a really amazing, impressive feat. But like, it bored me to tears. Yeah. And, but I did think Patricia Arquette was great. Um. So yeah, Emma Stone did not win. Um. And then they did lose. Also, um, they didn't win. Uh, sound editing or mixing. Um. And I was shocked that they were not edit. They were not nominated for editing, like period. Which is weird. Insane, because this movie, the editing is what makes this movie what it is. Maybe before, like there was no edits because it was just like Bing, Bing, Boom, all one or, shot. I mean, I could also see them being like, oh well, of course it'll get in for editing, like whatever. But, yeah. And so, also something that I don't know if anybody knows, but um, there are certain categories in when we're talking about the Oscars, um whoever wins film editing or um, whoever's nominated for film editing, they're most likely to win best picture. Okay. It's very rare that if you're not, it's very rare for a picture to win best picture if they don't have a corresponding editing nomination at the very least. Okay. So the fact that this film won without an editing nomination is historic. Um, And uh, you know, it won, um, a Golden Globe for I won two Golden Globes. Michael Keaton won for acting, and then it won a screenplay Golden Globe. Alejandro Iñárritu won the DGA and the Oscar for directing, as he should have. It's I mean, wow. And um, I think that's all I have to say. Won the Screen Actors Guild, as I mentioned before. Uh, it is really, I just love it. It was a great film. So tell me more about what you loved about it. If there's anything else you want to add, I mean, I know I talked your ear off. I'm so sorry. I know. Guys. I'm like, I are just... we done with the for the reports? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> done nerding out. It's okay. That's what we're here for. That's yeah. the high brow, low brow. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. It just really, cha- I guess it moved me in a way. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, I'm crying like Dreamgirls, but it just made me rethink about kind of the way I've been looking at myself in my own art, because you know, I am a lowbrow person and like (laughs) I have lowbrow aspirations, not like lowbrow aspirations. I mean, I'm saying like a teen choice award is like (laughs) an erasier on my list. You want a surfboard. Exactly. I want, I want that in my house, but it, it, there is no real, like there, it's all one in the same, everything. It's, it's your own, insecurities in your own ego that's thinking that something is not good as something else yes and like the person who is high art edward norton is the most insufferable character i think i've ever seen and like i was like if like people like this like i know people like this and it's like come on like you're not anything better or amazing or whatever just because you're like you're real or you're doing this real art and the new york times critic made me really mad and i think it's kind of cool that like they put like Zach Galifianakis and like Paula Pell in this film mm-hmm. and like people who aren't considered and even Michael Keaton, people who aren't considered like these like highbrow actors. But then you have like Naomi, you have Edward Norton, you've got these people who are essentially like it's it's the whole I don't know. It's the whole balance of it all. It just it was really great to see. Um, yeah, the ending of the film, I was like, is did he really fly? Because we see the beginning of the film, we see the meteor come down. Yes. 
So that makes you think like maybe he is this otherworldly being. And then there's all the jellyfish. I didn't get that whole thing. Well, so the jellyfish, remember, he told that story about of, going into and trying to kill himself. Yes. And that's the jellyfish saved him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there was just like a lot. And like even like, I don't know. It was just, it, it, it just changed my frame of thought. Yeah. And I think it is one of my favorite movies too, I think. Well, because it, 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 it really just, it, it explains so much. Well, and, it, and it, it's, this is a conversation we're really having right now too, because like, the it's streaming versus what's going into the theaters. Like you're seeing all you're seeing the theaters being inundated with superhero movies to just get people in butts and seats. Yeah. And then streamers are sort of taking over in terms of like the, the high art, you know, uh, stuff and the, the, I, I want us to have a more nuanced conversation about all of this stuff. Cause I think everything can all be everywhere. I think, yeah, you know, I think we can expand our minds as to what, and I think that's why we're kind of doing this podcast. We, we can expand our minds as to what is highbrow and what's lowbrow, what's art, what's not, what's, yeah. you know, cause like, for example, I'm one of the, one of the films I'm most excited to see is Wakanda forever coming yeah. out in a couple of months. And I think that this is, I think Ryan Coogler's work is one of the, he's one of these directors that is really bridging the gap between superhero movies and, and art films, you know? Yeah. Know. Do you want to hear uh, what the original uh, ending was going to be? Wait, yes. So apparently, did they have, did they film the alternate ending? Can you watch it? I don't know if they filmed it, but it w- I love a good alternate they ending. They scrapped it. Obviously. You know, what, you know what movies need to bring back really quick before you get into this? Yeah. You need special features back. I miss director commentaries. I miss deleted scenes. I miss bloopers. Absolutely. You know, you know what film had the best special features of all time? Shrek. Yes. Shrek yes. has the best special of features of any film. I think I remember that the Austin Powers also had a really good special d- features. Yeah, yes. The Spyro Shagney, I remember, was one of the first um, DVDs I had. And yeah. it had really good special features. Blooper reels, amazing. So Sorry. apparently. Back to, the, back to your no, thing. No, I'm so glad that we talked about that. So. Apparently, they were going to have Johnny Depp. They were going to have him in Riggins' dressing room in the Jack Sparrow. Like, what? Yeah, they were going to have... Well, because they had all the superheroes, like, dance. And they were going to little... have him... They were going to have a scene sort of where he's sort of in the same position as Riggin now. And sort of, like, the ending, I guess, was supposed to be this idea of, like, the cycle continues of, like this is an actor's trap, but then it, it didn't really, it didn't really, I mean, they kind, they kind of talk about that at the beginning. Cause they have, you know, they're talking what about, about Iron this Man. guy. Oh, he's in the Marvel. He's in this. Yeah. He's yeah. doing Marvel. He's doing DC. Like they kind of are like, Oh, these actors that we want to have in our play are just, they just decided to become celebrities. Yes. So that was sort of the original okay. idea of the ending. I, I like this ambiguous ending because again, it's it sort of, it, 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 it really encourages discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the way they filmed this, it was, um, it was heavily rehearsed. It was um, between the writing, the editing, the cinematography, everything was planned out within an inch of its life. Um, and, and you can see it, it worked. Yeah. It, I just, it's so good. And I, I loved it. Um, if you want to watch this movie, I hope you watched it before. But if you haven't yet, um, we were able to rent it on iTunes. It's also rentable on Amazon. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere right now. Um, but it's worth the three bucks. And what we're going to do is I think if if we find out that one of the films we've talked about is now streaming, uh, we'll, we'll, we will announce mention it, it in, in future episodes because we want everyone to be able to see these. Yeah. We want to tell people where you can watch it. Okay, I'm done. I promise I'm done. For now. For now. Well, now you're not done because now you got to talk again because – 
Now it's time for our lowbrow film, which is so tied to Birdman, which is kind of why we did it. Yes. It's Batman. Batman. And everyone loves Batman. I love, I love Batman. And I, I'm going to talk about it in a bit, but I like this kind of Batman. I think a little bit, not more, but there's, there's something special about this type of Batman that I want to talk about. But first, you've never seen this original Batman. No. And I wanted you to give me like, I, I guess the plot, because it's, it's kind of kooky crazy. Yeah, let me see if I can remember. Um, so we're in Gotham City. Um, and it's the bicentennial, I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got our classic, um, commissioner and, uh, Harvey Dent is here played by the guy who plays Lando Calrissian of the Star Wars films, which I love, which I was like, dad. <laughs> oh my God. Looks just like Edward Estrada senior, hundred percent. Um, him and Neil deGrasse Tyson. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're, they're cracking down on crime cracking down on crime as usual because crime is rampant in Gotham and um there I can't remember his name but there's a big crime boss and this is the guy they want to take down um and the crime boss enlists his like number one laggy he's got like a, a, a like a chorus boy gaggle of gays who uh, not gays but gaggle of of gangsters who um are you know they uh they do his bidding mm-hmm. and he enlists his number one guy Jack Rape uh, Jack Napier um, to, um, sort of, uh, you know, uh, carry out this like, uh, sting at this chemical plant. Um, but what Jack doesn't know is that it's, it's a twofold plan. The, the crime boss wants to, um, wants Jack to, to do this, but also wants his team, um, and some crooked cops to kill him because apparently Jack's been canoodling with the crime boss's girlfriend. Yes. So then we go to the chemical plant and uh long story short there's like a big you know there's a shootout between police and the commissioner and crooked police and and some laggies including jack napier he falls into a vat of chemicals um but not before getting shot in between the cheeks um and we think perhaps that's the end of jack um batman is there by the way this whole time batman michael keaton um, but no one's seen Batman yet. No, no. Um, we also meet, um, oh God, what's her name? Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale, uh, played by um, Kim Basinger uh, of LA Confidential fame. And I believe she was married to Alec Baldwin for yeah. a brief period of time. They have Ireland Baldwin together. Oh, yes, the, that poor, poor child. Um, <laughs> so uh, they are simultaneously, she's a photographer from like, she's a professional photographer i think she works with vogue or she something. was like vogue cosmo and she was like a fashion photographer but now she wants to move she did a time pe- times piece in like yeah so she is but she's a woman so she's not taken seriously and yeah. this young reporter who we'll talk about it, i think we agree on who we he should yeah. recast they want to find out who the batman is and they want to find out if he's good or if he's evil and they want to you know whatever so uh Shocking. Jack is not dead. He's now this uh, demented, crazy figure known as the Joker, played by the brilliant, the brilliant Jack Nicholson. Um, and uh, he is now going to spread his reign of terror on the city. He he kills the crime boss that tried to get him killed. He takes back the woman that he was having an affair with and completely mutilates her. Um, 
And, uh, you know, but Batman is uh, is really good at his job and is, is, you know, kind of stopping him at every turn. Eventually, um, you know, Jack Nicholson, the Joker, becomes obsessed with Vicki Vale and tries to make her his new woman, but then finds out that he's entangled with Bruce Wayne. Um, and, you know, Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale start to have a romance. Vicki Vale eventually finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, which I thought was very interesting because that usually doesn't happen in these films. Yeah. Um, like his identity is not revealed to his love interest, really. Alfred is there. We love Alfred. And, um, Eventually, we get to the end of the film where, um, you know, the Joker has somehow gained control of the television airwaves and somehow has gained control of, like, the city's water and air supply, is able to poison everyone. Um, and But eventually, Batman um, and him duke it out. Vicky Vale is saved. Jab. The Joker is dead. It's implied that maybe he was a robot. Well, yeah, he's just laughing. Like, you don't know. He, like, hits his head and dies, but, but he's, he's still, still laughing. But he's still laughing as he dies. Um, And then um, everything ends up okay. You got it mostly. There's yeah. some parts that I, yeah. So, essentially. Were, I mean, and we'll get into it. I didn't take any notes. Um, But, again, I think this movie is is pretty great. I yeah. really do. I, there are some problems with it. But I think Tim Burton is the perfect person to direct this. I think Michael Keaton is the perfect Batman. He I honestly might be one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, because he, he, you know, because Bruce Wayne is is painted as such an asshole in so many yes. of these iterations. Yes. This guy seems more of an upstanding billionaire, which I liked. Um. Oh, I forgot there was also in. It's also like completely like. It's I in I've never seen an iteration where um because we all know that Bruce Wayne's parents died in a random act of violence when he was a kid after seeing yeah. the movie, but they flat out say that it was Jack Napier when he was a young it was the up Joker. and coming gangster kill so that full circle moment was crazy yeah so uh a couple things so the Joker yes. yes um when he falls into the vat it bleaches his skin and his hair so that's why he has the Joker look. The reason he gets shot through the mouth, that's important, is because it damages all the nerves. So when he goes to the gangster medic, the gangster medic's like, I'm so sorry. I can't <gasps> fix this. That's right. Because the, the, you damage the nerve endings. I can't. This is the best I could do with the tools that I have. So he's, like, always having to grin because they had to, like, basically pin and, like, get it together. Yeah, it's not a good look. And, like, when he goes out in public, he has to put, like, skin makeup on his, like, white hair. <laughs> He's not poisoning the water supply or the air. What he's doing is he is he's put out his own brand of like cosmetics and goods that the the community is purchasing because in this in this iteration he's like also like a little bit of a chemist. He's like a kind of a genius. So he has access to because people are dying because they're using the hairspray, they're using the lipstick, right. and they're like stop using this because people either it's like a gas that he like releases in the new studio or like people are getting uglier and demented as time goes on because they're using the moisturizers. Mm -hmm. They're using like the beauty products to like stay whatever. Um, and at the end he also like tries to kill everyone in the town by releasing gas through the balloons that are very pre night before Christmas, but like night before Christmas. Totally. Totally. It's very Tim Burton. Um, yeah. And the, the thing about this Batman, and I think why you liked him, and it also is kind of very Birdman, he's the only one acting real in the movie. Like, he, everyone else is overacting in the film, except for he's Michael straight Keaton. Man. And he plays it so well, and he's more... Batman lost his connection to family, and that's a little bit more 
um, apparent in this film because he has the really strong connection to Alfred. And Vicky Vale's like, he reminds me of my grandfather and my relationship I had with him. He realizes that Vicky Vale could possibly be family. And Alfred is like, then you need to bring her into this idea, which is why he reveals that he's Batman to Vicky Vale. He doesn't get to at first when he wants to, because that's when, of course, the Joker walks in and tries to like woo her. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a fun Batman film and like Batman is fun. And I think Batman has gotten so dark and it has to be so like, I'm a tortured soul and I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm the dark knight and like totally. I live in this dark Gotham city when it's like, this is a comic book movie. It's a, it's not supposed to be that deep. Sure. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, I've like the dark, you know, dark night, dark, which are great films. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The Christian Christian Nolan, Bale, whatever. Yeah, the, and, and Matt, I, Matt Reeves, his, his iteration with Robert it. Pattinson. Yeah. I get that. But give me a Joker by Jack Nicholson. Who's just cuckoo bananas going crazy over the town like this. I want us to get back to this kind of superhero film. I feel like this is what I'm missing. Yeah. So it's just, it's so much more fun and just, it's not, it's a good, it's a good movie. I know. I movie. agree. What my, 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 the things that kind of made me go, what that I think that Tim Burton does a really great job of in Batman returns is he really establishes like the Catwoman and the penguin. He really is great at establishing that we see the glimmers of who they're going to become before they make their transformations, you know? Yeah. Um, like we get their full backstory. So like the, the, you know, him being a chemist, him being, um, him being like kind of kooky and, um, maniacal. And like, I understand all that is sort of per that sort of pushed forward when he falls into the vat of chemicals and it kind of, um, hyper, it hyperactivates. Yeah. I, I just, it, he's not really established as that kind of guy at the beginning. He's established as just like a really good criminal. Yeah. A really good criminal who, but like, I wish they had made it more clear. Like he's brilliant. He's a little bit off. He's a little crazy on his own. He's a little bit, and then it gets exacerbated when he gets pushed into the chemicals. Okay. Yeah. That you makes know, sense. because he has all these qualities that are great for villain stuff that come up throughout the film. But I'm like, but, but that, I wish that the Easter eggs had been planted earlier to kind of set that up just a little bit more. Cause again, yeah. he does such a great job of it in the next film with Batman returns that I just wanted that set up more. Okay. Um, but again, that's just, I'm being super nitpicky. I yeah. loved the Prince music in this film. Yeah. So Danny Elfman and Prince did all the music, the Danny Elfman music. You were literally singing freaking nightmare before Christmas and the Simpsons and every other scene. Cause you could hear like the similar chords and stuff. I'm yeah. not a music person. I mean, I like music, but Matthew is dun, a dun, 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 yeah. the whole time we were watching. he was like, this is, like I mean, I love Danny Elfman, yeah. so I don't, I don't mind. And then uh, Prince did the music for it, which is the Prince scenes are like these dance numbers, but not really. It's literally just the Joker being like, hey, yeah, huzzah, <laughs> let's take down the Flugelheim. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Flugelheim. <laughs> that killed me. Instead of the Guggenheim, yeah. it's the Flugelheim. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, We were talking about, I can't remember the name of the, I guess, reporter who, basically he's the one that has seen the Batman, heard about the Batman. He's kind of like an up-and-coming reporter, so he's not believed. He has a crush on Vicky Vale, which is why he's like, I'll bring you on to the team. Mm -hmm. 
I would have loved to see him played by someone like maybe like 18 or 19, like just like a young, intern, a young up and trying to get instead of like this old guy who just never got his beat and never got his moment. Yeah. Cause he's also just like, he keeps hitting on Vicky Vale and it, it comes it's, off gross. If it was like a young kid trying to be like, cause then she could just poo poo it off. But it just, he seems like a perv. Yeah. It's, it, it could have, I, yeah, that's the only thing I really didn't like about that. I'm trying to think of, is there anything else that I want to say? I mean, there's so many great lines in this film that I love. Like my two favorites are, they're both by the Joker. Like he, the first one is like, this town needs an enema. And it's just like so good. <laughs> and then my other favorite line is, um, Vicky Vale's like, he grabs Vicky Vale and she's like, you're insane. And he's like, really? I thought I was a Pisces. My I love favorite that. line was it's that. It's so good. Yeah. Jack Nicholson is so good in this. And I, I'm glad that the Joker, because Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger both won Oscars for their takes yeah. on the Joker. I, I think that Nicholson should have been nominated. I think that he had a, he's really good in this. So there's something I want to talk about Jack Nicholson's Joker, which there's two things. So when his contract was made, like he had two clauses and one of the things actually changed, um, movie contracts moving forward for the rest of time. The first thing he did, well, th- what I'm going to talk about is that first is he, instead of taking like a bigger, he wanted a higher pay rate. Um, and instead of getting that, he is actually like, no, I actually am going to, they weren't going to give it to him. And they said, we'll give you earnings from the film and all of the, everything that comes with it. So uh. he made, I think with inflation, they were saying like 120 million in today's money Woo! from basically all of like what they made off of the movie, what they made of all the deals, all of the promotions, everything that came from this Batman movie. That's where he made his money. Wow. So he made out with bank. He's also the top billed actor. They show his name first. They do. Instead of Nicholson Keaton. Yeah. And yeah, which is like, was unheard of, but he was like, I'm the star. I deserve the most. And they're like, we can't, you're not Batman. You're the Joker. So he, he worked all these deals into his contract, which smart man set him up and has now set up people from now on. Cause now that's a clause in most people's It's like, yeah, I get paid X amount, but then I get X amount percentage of all the earnings from the, you know, the franchise essentially. Um, and it, it makes me laugh too, because we hear these stories about how Joaquin and Heath have like, were so tortured preparing for the role of Joker and how they had to get into this like very dark place. Well, it, it killed um, Heath. It killed Heath. Yes. Um, which is devastating. Um, but Jack Nicholson had a clause where he couldn't work. He had to have basically season tickets to the Lakers and couldn't miss a Lakers game. Uh, Lakers home game while he was filming. So badass. Which I'm like, it's so good. That's so funny. That's me being like, well, I really want to just watch like the Giants this year or the Warriors. Like, I don't want to miss a game. <laughs> so I got to put that in my contract. It's so funny to me. It's like, so cool. He, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite like Batman films just because it's so kitschy and fun and just, it's different. I'm a big Tim Burton fan as well. Well, I think Batman Returns is an improve is is an improvement on i think this yeah. was a great first rollout of this idea and then i think batman returns it it's it's just a little cleaner it cleans it up uh, yeah. and and michelle pfeiffer is so oh my god michelle pfeiffer in batman returns is that was a whole gay awakening for everyone yeah <laughs> well and and you know since we're talking about it a little bit like you know he got Michael Keaton got his start in like in small roles on in theater, film, and television. He was a PA. Um, he was really hungry, um, and it was in the early '80s. It was Night Shift and Mr. Mom that sort of got him in the spotlight. 
Um, and then he had some, you know, a couple movies in between, but it was really Beetlejuice and this. And we almost did Beetlejuice for this, but, but I Beetlejuice is too much. And of Batman like, Birdman, I mean, yeah, it writes itself. So we just figured, and and yeah, Beetlejuice is, you know. It's a revered classic. Yeah. So and not that this isn't. It was like the highest grossing film of the year or something like that, too. Oh, Batman? Yeah. Yes, you told me that. That's true. Um, but yeah, Beetlejuice and this were like really just pushed him into stardom. Um, and but then again, like he he kept working. He was working like he's been working his whole life, but Birdman was the film that reminded everyone, oh, he's brilliant. he's fantastic. Well, then that's literally the story of Birdman as well. It's like, wow, yeah. he's actually an actor. He's yeah. not just Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Batman. I thought it was great. Um, I th- And that's the thing is I, I want – I kind of want Tim Burton to, like, do another one. See, but I don't know if it would be Batman. I would want to see him maybe take another take on another superhero. But, yeah. like, now he won't ever be able to touch it because Marvel has – their I mean, whole other entity. Well, see though, they're now Marvel is now in their their spooky. Well, they are in their experimental phase. Uh, I've also finished She Hulk, the which you haven't watched yet. But oh, the and She-Hulk Werewolf series. by Night we haven't talked about on this. Well, yeah, well, you know, Marvel, but She Hulk kind of jumps into this whole. She Hulk is very meta. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Because I haven't um, watched it yet. I'm waiting till it's um, all done and I'm going to But it. they are getting into this like experimental kind of situation well, now. Because we spent so much time in like the tech, skill, and science like heroes that hey, you're now. Sorry, you're now getting into the, the mystic, cosmic, and mutant stuff. Ma- and I'm, Matthew loves his Marvel games. I do. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> not, it's not bad. I love Marvel too. Don't worry. You, I mean, speaking of hyper lowbrow, you were the one who made me sit and watch every single Marvel film during the pandemic. And we got what through. Else, what else are we going to freaking do? <laughs> But <laughs> we had to f- eat time. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to say about that? Man? No, I think. Do we think we get to our ratings and our highbrow lowbrow moments of the film? Yeah. Let's do highbrow lowbrow moments of the film and then rate them. Okay. So do you want to give me your highbrow lowbrow of Batman? Yes. Um. You know, honestly, my highbrow, I don't know if it's a moment, but I, I, I you know, we talked about this, that Michael is such a good Batman. He was, he's such a good, like he, he, he holds the film together. Cause again, with an actor like Jack Nicholson, with a concept of Tim Burton, with the Danny Elfman music, with Prince soundtrack, like it can all get very, it can get a little too crazy. And he, he holds the center so strongly. Um, and I just, I think he's great. Um, the lowbrow moment, um, I just every time that poor girl, the the the, the lover, came in oh, with that one. mask on and was very like, purge mm-hmm, and like <laughs> very purge and just was like, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling so well. It was it just made me laugh. It really made me laugh. And I just was so. I mean, it was amazing how he falls into a vat of chemicals and all of a sudden he's got control of the TV airwaves. He's got he's just he's able to just take control of the city. I thought that was just. Yeah. I mean, when he when he's on the TV screen and he pushes the TV screen to get on it and then they're watching him on the other screen and they I push mean, it again. That, it's lo- so it's funny. It's so funny. Like lowbrow, but so good. Um, I loved it. Okay. So what are your highbrow and lowbrow moments of Birdman? Um, lowbrow moment. Um, the banana in the underwear for the boner on stage. I hated that. I thought that was so stupid yeah. with Edward Norton. I was like, really? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. And then uh, my highbrow moment has to be when the first night of previews, his 
um, his entire dressing room is filled with roses and he hates roses. And then the, when he's in the hospital after he has the opening night, that's super successful. He has this, a different array of flowers, but Emma brings the flowers that he originally wanted at the beginning to, to him. And he tries to smell them. He's like, I can't smell. I thought that was a really beautiful moment because it's like, they finally see him. They finally are listening to him. They finally understand him. He's not, they're not just like, Oh, we're just going to throw everything at you. It's and, like, and they sort of see each other as, yeah. like, as daughter, father, daughter. Yeah. Or, Cause know? he has like all the lilies and like whatever in the room. And she like gives him the one like that's right flowers. And I was like, that is this very special moment. I thought that w- that it's those little things for me that I really enjoy in a movie where yes, it's not part of, it's not really part of like, I guess really the plot or the story as a whole, but it tells so much uh, by doing so little. It's just a set thing. It's just a prop piece that really makes it and like finding out about the bumper sticker. Like yeah. that's pretty cool too. I don't know. That was my highbrow moment for me. I think was the flowers. Yeah. I love that. So those are my two. Hi, everyone. Um, we're jumping in here like this because we made two little mistakes in our episode. In all of our excitement, we forgot a couple things we wanted to mention. So here's a few amendments to the episode. First, we forgot to rate each movie. Ugh, duh. That's the whole point of we doing We got so excited about our highbrow lowbrow that we didn't rate. So Matthew, Batman, what, how many Matthews do you rate it out of five? I mean, it is the best lowbrow movie we've watched so far so i'm gonna be bold and i'm gonna give it four out of five. Ooh, four, four out Matthews. of five because i have I, I i have some i i have an idea that like some lowbrow films are really gonna just knock my socks off eventually okay. so i want to save the five for like it's like dancing with the stars can't get the 10 out too soon in the season okay so, oh, glenn so four <laughs> out of five i think is a solid number for batman from me now how many eddies do you give birdman I gotta just give it five Eddies. Yes, There's I'm nothing sorry. I can do. No, don't be don't be sorry. And I, it's it's weird putting it at the same kind of standard of like five Eddies as Dream Girls, whereas like I think now I would give Dream Girls like a four, four? and a half, maybe yeah. or like a four even. But Birdman was just so unbelievably good. I can't not give it a five. I I agree. If I could give it, a, I would give it a ten. It's so so good. Okay. What now? We also forgot what we're going to mention, or we didn't forget what we were going to mention. We forgot to say what we're going to watch for our next movie and our next actor. Yes. So we, again, wanted to give you something um, a little spookier, uh, given the time of year. It's our um, Halloween episode. It's our, our Halloween, Halloween special. <laughs> Halloween episode. Um, we are going to be covering the great actor, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, we will be, the highbrow film we will be watching is, again, we're watching some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of, l- actually, I think my favorite writer of all time, Aaron Sorkin's okay. incredible 2010 film, The Social Network, and The Low Brow. <laughs> this is where we get Halloweeny because obviously The Social Network, though Facebook is terrifying, and now. Army Hammer is terrifying. Yeah, we've got a cannibal. We've got you know, you know, so and social Justin media, T- Justin Timberlake. So we're it's a little Halloweeny. Oh God, that is scary. Yeah, that is scary. That's scarier than my movie. <laughs> my movie is a film with Jesse and my girl, Christina Ricci. It's called Cursed. It's a werewolf film set in Los Angeles. I've never seen it. I've only seen a clip of it. Uh, and I'm so excited to watch it based on the clip I I've haven't seen. seen it in years. So we're going in. We're going to go in and have some fun with it. It's yes. kind of like an orbit. It's a movie I had seen when I was younger. And I really haven't seen it in a while. We'll see if it holds up. We'll see if it holds up. So again, Jesse Eisenberg, The Social Network, and Curse. You can see The Social Network on Hulu and on Peacock. 
And you can watch Cursed on Paramount Plus. So oh. if you've got that, it's an easy little click. Fabulous. All right. Well, we'll get back to our regular programming now. Back to our good looks. I oh, guess. and by the way, I, we didn't mention Batman. You can watch it on HBO Max. Yes, it's on HBO Max. I also Max. believe it's also on Hulu, but I, I don't know. We, we watched it, it on we HBO Max. definitely watch it on HBO Max. I think we watched the other, like last year we watched it on Hulu. I don't know if it's still on there, but HBO Max for sure. So welcome again. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already, make sure you um, subscribe to us on YouTube. And uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all the socials at uh, Highbrow Lowbrow Pod. And if you haven't already, like, rate, and review us wherever you subscribe to podcasts, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, or Spotify. We're now on Spotify. And don't forget to watch us on YouTube as well and like and subscribe and rate and review on that as well because we need that as we well. We need that. It helps we're, us we're, out. We're and growing. They would, we'd really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Edward. Thank I you, Matthew. You. I love you too. Have a great week, y'all. Bye. <laughs>